Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. So my first showroom was a place I shared with a therapist, actually. It was like totally neutral. It was like everything was gray, no signage on the door. I was there Tuesdays and Saturdays. She was there the rest of the week. So literally a customer would come in on Saturday and be like, so can I come back on like Wednesday to look at diamonds? I'm like, I am totally booked except for Tuesday and Saturday next week. Same the following week. And people like bought stuff from me back then, which is crazy, which is really like just start like it feels like no one's gonna buy things from you but like people bought things from me in a therapist's office lauren priori is the owner of l priori jewelry a custom jeweler with three locations and priori estate and estate jewelry treasure box in philadelphia lauren is obsessed with creating amazing workplaces she leads a team of 20 and boasts remarkably low turnover since founding El Priori in 2016, Lauren has grown the company to seven-figure revenues, often doubling year over year. She is also an angel investor working with female founders to help scale their companies, which we didn't touch on this in this episode, but next time she's on, I'm definitely going to get an inside scoop on all things angel investing. Anyway, Lauren has been recognized as one of Philadelphia's most admired CEOs by Philadelphia Business Journal and a Jewelers of America 20 under 40. On this episode, you'll hear more behind the scenes of the brand, what makes Lauren open her own business, how she manages her time, and what to do when it's time to pick out an engagement ring. She was such a delight to speak with, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. I feel like the best place to start with this would be why. What was your why for creating this brand? I do love jewelry. I am super passionate about jewelry, but I feel like the why for me was about building a kind of company that I was looking for when I was in my 20s. Basically, my first job out of jewelry school, I was an assistant buyer at this jewelry store. It was in New Jersey. It was like very glamorous, like crystal chandeliers. It was like a Rolex store and Hearts on Fire and David Yerman and just like amazing. And I was going to get to pick what was going in the showcases. You know, everyone tells you being, where did you go to school? Or you went to Temple, right? Were you in yeah. like a fashion program? I was in public relations. Okay. Got it. Similar. Um, so yeah, similar. I'm sure you had friends who were buyers and everyone's like, it's perfect. It's left brain. It's right brain. It's creative, but it's spreadsheets. But when I got to that job, it was that, but it was also like, the people there were not what I was expecting. Like my boss who was 35 and beautiful and had worked in New York was also super micromanagey and kind of just tough to work with. And I like had no autonomy over anything. Like we would sell a pair of diamond studs that were $500. We could sell them like 20 times the last week. I couldn't reorder anything on my own without getting like sign off. It was just totally demoralizing. So um, when I left that job, I was looking for a job that was with a great female mentor 
and hopefully in Philadelphia and just like a great place to work. And I ended up working for a man on Jewelers Row, which was like very gritty, but turned out to be amazing in its own way. But when I started this company, I was really excited to start hiring people so that I could kind of like be that boss that I was looking for. Because you didn't have that as your own experience, you wanted to create it for someone else. Yeah, exactly. When you left that company, were you thinking, I could join another potential team that is really empowering and really flourishing? Or you were like, that's it. I've had it. I know what I need to know. I'm ready to start my own thing. I would love to say that I left and had like some big plan, but I was 23 and I, all I knew is like, this job is awful and it's totally the wrong fit for me. And it's just like spreadsheets all day and I've got to get out. Um, I think I was getting pretty close to being fired. It was just like completely the wrong fit for me. And I was, all I knew was like, I got to get out of this job and like, I have to get to Philly. Um, and I don't know that I was at that point, even thinking like, what kind of role is right for me? Like, what kind of leader am I looking for? I think it took some time in a few jobs, um, and a lot of self-reflection to really even like understand what that was, like where my place was in the work world and what I kind of needed. When you started your own business, what was the first yeah. thing you wanted to implement as far as like, this is how I'm going to treat my employees. This is rule number one. Yeah. Um, I knew I really wanted to get benefits as soon as possible. Um, but it's so hard in the beginning. Like you're not making any money. And like when I first got employees, I had an intern first um, and I did pay her. I am not into like the free intern thing, although I know people do it, but I just feel like they're doing real work. Um, and I, yeah, I wasn't paying myself yet and I was paying her. And then when I brought on my first two full-time employees, that was my, I had been in business for a year and I started paying myself, I think in like the third year, but um, pretty quickly I was able to pay them benefits. Um, they have unlimited um, vacation time now um, and just as much flexibility as possible. It's hard in retail, um, but I trust people. Um, I feel like we ha have a really good team. Um, and I think the more flexibility, the better. Do you think the majority of your employees come in and think like, okay, I'm going to help craft something today and get creative or it's more so like marketing salesy? So... We have a team of 20, about half of those are in our production team. Um, so they are like doing the making, they're CAD designers, they're um, sourcing diamonds, they're appraising the jewelry, doing final inspections. Um, and then we have kind of like three and a half um, goldsmiths and stone setters. Um, and then the rest of the team is sort of on like the sales and the marketing side. So it's definitely a good mix. When you started, 2016, 2017, what did it look like yeah. compared to what it looks like now? Yeah. So the first engagement ring I ever sold, I literally went to my friend's house with a bag of diamonds. <laughs> like I had six stones, which I definitely do not recommend. Like looking back, I'm like, oh my God, you went to this house in South Philly with a bunch of diamonds um, and some settings and just kind of like talked her through the whole thing. I hand sketched everything. Um, she picked a stone. It was honestly, the process was very similar to how it is now. Like you pick a stone first, 
we design a setting for you. It's made custom. Um, even like the timeline is sort of similar. It's a little faster now. Um, but um, the difference was I was doing everything myself back then. So like I was the CAD designer. I was the stone sourcer. I was um, the appraiser. I was the salesperson. I was the marketer. I was like the one taking the photos for Instagram, like literally soup to nuts. I think that's such a valuable lesson though, because you had to wear all the hats in order to wear the yeah. hat you wear now. And you probably found people yeah. who maybe were even better at CAD design or oh Instagram God. or whatever it is that it's now like you can take a step back and be like, you shine where you're meant to and I will shine where I'm meant to. 100%. Yeah. It's so funny you say that when I first started everyone, well, not when I first started, but maybe like a year in, I'm like, okay, this is like getting to be a lot. I need to hire a salesperson because like, we have like four people here now, like I need to manage them and pay the bills and figure out all the money stuff. And um, you own businesses, like, you know, like the back end of it all, it's just a lot. Um, yes. And everyone's like, how are you going to have this company where you're not the one selling engagement rings? Like even my dad was like, you think people are going to buy rings from someone who isn't you? And I was like, yeah, like Sam Walton is not like checking out everyone at Walmart anymore. <laughs> like, and it's his name on the door. I think it's going to be fine. But, um, and it worked out great. And honestly, our sales team now is so amazing. And like, if I, like if someone calls out sick and I have to step in on a Saturday, I get home and I'm like, oh my God. God, I can't believe I did that for like years and it's so not the right place for me to be. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm all about letting, letting everyone else shine where they're meant to be. How do you retain your employees? Jewelry is a great industry. It's so fun. Like it's just like, you know, especially with engagement rings, we're dealing with couples who are happy. Um, but retail can be tough. Um, and especially now, like you really can't sell jewelry from home. You know, you have to come into the office, um, which for a while was sort of tough for us recruitment wise. Um, but I think people are starting to like be excited to come back into work. Um, and the last few people we've hired have been like, I actually like want to come into the office. That's like why I'm applying, but I have a really great team. I've been really super lucky um, that everyone on the team is very like kind and supportive of each other. Um, and um, I give them a lot of freedom over their job. Like our production team, there's maybe like five people who have not super specialized jobs um, who can kind of do a bunch of things like ordering diamonds, doing final inspections. Like it's not like they're diamond setters who really need to be doing that all day. And they kind of like figure out amongst themselves, like who's doing what, like that month, like the work kind of shifts. Like one person gets really busy with CAD. So she'll be like, Hey, Emily, can you take over appraisals for the next few months? And like, I don't have to be the one directing traffic there. And I think just having that ownership over their day to day a little bit more um, really helps people want to stay at the company and stay engaged. For people who are listening, especially young women who are like, Ugh, I really don't love my job. I want to change and start something new or go somewhere new. What yeah. advice do you have for them? Because I feel like you've, you've really been through it. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is to really know, like, why don't you like that job? Like, why are you miserable? Is it because like for me and that assistant buyer job, it was like all details, all very like little picture stuff. And now knowing myself, like I'm horrible at details. I need people to like implement things for me. Um, and I'm like the big picture idea person. And like, I love to make 
very big, tough decisions. Um, and I'm super comfortable with a lot of risk. So my current job is perfect for me. That assistant buyer job was not, but I think like any job you have, like even I used to waitress and like the details were never sticking in my head. Like people would ask me like, Hey, can I get ketchup? And I'd be like on my way back to the kitchen and literally I'd get back there and be like, Oh my God, like, do they ask for barbecue sauce? Like, I have no idea. I just like, couldn't remember any of the details. Um, so I think knowing yourself in that way, and I'm sure that you have felt that too in roles, like, you know, like maybe not liking a structured schedule or whatever the case may be. And then second, like, what is it about the job itself? Like the, is it how big your team is? How big the company is? Is it like having to go into work? Is it like the company culture of being, very formal or maybe it's like way too informal and like everyone has to be besties and you kind of just like want a little bit of separation so I think the more you can really be like introspective and coaches can help with that a lot too um, we use something called the predictive index at work which is a personality test but there's a ton of personality tests that sort of kind of can tell you like I, th I think they're more like self-affirming than like really telling you something new about yourself but we always do them when we hire because if someone is super high on, like there's one scale of being really flexible versus needing a lot of structure. If someone needs a ton of structure, like they're probably not going to be a good fit here. We're just kind of like too small and flexy and like loosey and, you know, not like a strict nine to five for people. That's so interesting. Did you take yeah. the test yourself? I did. Yeah. Anything that you discovered that you were like, oh, wow. Um, I mean, it was very like, like, yeah, that's me. I think the thing that I found surprising, it did say things like you're very comfortable with risk. You love making big decisions, but I, I am very direct, which I knew about myself, but it was like, you're kind of your directness can sort of be like a little bit off putting to some people. Like it kind of like can catch people off guard, um, which was a little bit surprising. And I will say like something I definitely think about and work on, um, you know, not that I'm being really harsh to people, but, you know, being very direct can, can come off a little tough sometimes. Yes. But I think it's probably the, you're in the perfect seat to have those characteristics because yeah. you can't have someone who's indecisive as a founder. It's like, uh, yeah. no, like you need to know when you come in, yes or no, black or white, Yeah, which is really absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I think I'm that person in my marriage and my husband is normally pretty indecisive. So I like being able to pick and choose and then move on from that decision. Yes. Yeah. You got to have one, especially, did you just move to recently? It'll be a year in one month. So you're oh my gosh. pretty good. Yeah. 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 I feel like during house hunting, like someone needs to be like, mm -hmm. yes, no, yes, no. And with kids too. Yeah. That's actually so funny you say that because for this house, my husband was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, we're doing it. I'm going, it was an open house. I was like, I'm going back in. I'm going to ask the realtor. I literally stormed back in. It was like January. It was freezing. I had a huge coat on. And I'm like, we want this house. What can I, what can you tell me needs to be in the offer to get this house? It's a very competitive market. We want to move in. And it worked out in Probably. our favor. Yeah. Because I we love had it. just been rejected like the month before from somewhere else, Ugh. but it worked out so so in our favor because now we look back at that property and we're like why did we even we were like so gung-ho about it in our minds and it's like where we are now is such a better fit but yeah oh. it worked out they were like oh she's serious 
Yeah. So that was good. <laughs> and with kids too. I think I've been a little, yeah. you're, you're a new mom-ish. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter um, just turned one in January. Um, yeah. And I'm expecting another baby in September. So oh gosh, yeah. Congratulations. Just, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So kind of like, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you probably have to either, it's either you or your husband have to make the decisions for toddler and baby. Yeah, I will say, so my husband is, um, he's never worked for someone else. Well, when he was 19, he worked at a, um, like a fishing store. What is that place called? West Marine. Um, but basically since then he has been self-employed. So he is like the most decisive man I have ever met in my life, but I don't know, somehow it works with us. I feel like we just care about different things. Yes. Um, yeah. Although we are now starting to look at houses in the suburbs and that is getting interesting. <laughs> it's I'm very like, difficult. I love this old Victorian home. It's so beautiful. He's like, Lauren, everything is going to break. It's going to be terrible, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be okay. We'll figure it out. <laughs> How did you guys meet? We met through triathlon actually. Um, yeah. He was like, my best friend on this triathlon team um and yeah and he was dating someone else and i was dating someone else and um then we kind of just like kept hanging out all the time and then we went on this trip to new hampshire together and on the way home i was like oh my god like i think i like like this guy um he like came to my parents house for the fourth of july my mom's like what are you doing is this guy your boyfriend or not um, yeah. And then I kind of was just like, I think you're my boyfriend. So yeah, we've been dating ever since. That's so cute. I love yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. I know. How'd you meet your husband? In college. We were friends oh. for three years and same oh. situation. Yeah. He was kind of seeing someone. I was kind of seeing someone. Yeah. And then the end of junior year, he was like, I think I really like you. And I was like, you're oh. kidding. And he was like, no, I really like you. And I was like, what? Like, I just like, had such blinders on. Because when you friend someone, friend zone someone yeah. for so long, it's like, yeah. wait, what? There's feelings here? Yeah, but I it worked out. I took a risk. Yeah. That was actually yeah, the biggest good. risk. Because I feel like I was so nervous to jeopardize a friendship. But I was like, you know what? If you don't try, then you'll never know. Yeah. And like, the, I told him, like, the friendship's going to end anyway. Like, we're not going to be like. 70 like best friends married to other people so you know so right let's just try it yeah I've actually never heard someone say it that way you are so right when you really think about that it doesn't really matter when you're 20 who your best friend is if it's a guy because god willing you'll get married and then that friendship will lessen change yes exactly Hmm. look at us now with kids yeah, with the best I learned friends. something new. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so how did you you started Priori with hardly any money? You weren't paying yourself. You're paying your intern, and then first yeah. employee, second employee. When did you have that shift of like real success that you were actually putting money in your own bank account? Yeah, it was definitely the year that I hired um, salespeople. So it was I want to say it was 2019. Um, I was getting really, really busy. I had been taking appointments seven days a week at that point, um, which was madness, but I just wow. felt like I had to be available. Yeah. All the time. Um, I mean, it's not like I was booked like nine to nine, but I, if you wanted to, you could have. Um, so when I started getting really busy, I hired a salesperson and then 
she was a much better salesperson than I was. Um, I had time to work on the business more and just having that freedom, just like let me find other ways to make money and just be a little bit more mindful about the P&L. So yeah, it took about three years and that was the year that we hit a million in sales, um, which also felt like a really big milestone for me personally. Um, and I think it just kind of, once you hit that number, especially in a, like a lower margin business, like jewelry, you just sort of like have enough money to hire people to really advertise, to have like a real office space, things like that. I was just going to ask you what came first. Was it like an online presence with like a little showroom or you had an office that acted as a showroom? What did that look like? Yes. So my first showroom was a place I shared with a therapist. Actually, it was like totally neutral. It was like, everything was gray, no signage on the door. I was there Tuesdays and Saturdays. She was there the rest of the week. So literally a customer would come in on Saturday and be like, so can I come back on like Wednesday to look at diamonds? I'm like, I am totally booked except for Tuesday and Saturday next week. Same the following week. That's um, hilarious. But that was only for, I know. Um, and people like bought stuff from me back then, which is crazy, which is really like just start. Like it feels like no one's going to buy things from you, but like people bought things from me in a therapist's office. Um, so that was maybe like three months. And then I'm like, okay, I need to get a real office space. And I was in the medical arts building. Do you know like where um, Rescue Spa used to be? Yeah. In that building? Yeah. So I was in that building for a few years. Mm -hmm. um, and then during COVID, we moved into like our bigger space, which we just outgrew. Um, and now I'm looking for a building to buy. Wow. And all yeah. in the suburbs or this is still in the city? So that's all in the city. Yeah. And then we have a space in King of Prussia and in Georgetown. How did you decide on Georgetown and King of Prussia? So King of Prussia was first. That was pretty easy. We had a lot of customers from the suburbs coming in and it just kind of made sense. Like parking, I'm sort of deciding what to do that leases up in a year if I want to move to Ardmore or not. Um, that's kind of like where I'm leaning, but it's been really great. It's, and especially during COVID, it was so amazing to have a space in the suburbs for whatever reason, people just like did not want to come into the city. Like even people from like South Philly or Fairmount would drive to King of Prussia. I don't know. It was like, it was like a weird time. It was like, people were like, I don't know, like, is the air cleaner out there? Like, I don't know. So in 2021, yeah, I was sort of like feeling ready to keep growing because I always felt like I want to have 10 showrooms and we had a lot of clients from DC. I think like the DC to Philly connection is there. So we had a lot of clients who had been driving up and just felt like a natural next fit. If someone's listening and they're like, Ooh, I want to drop a hint to my boyfriend, my partner, whoever, tell us exactly what this gal should do in order to achieve her ideal engagement ring or just a okay. gift. Yes. So first things first, come in and try stuff on for sure and take pictures. Make sure you send photos, whether they're like Instagram screenshots or like photos of a ring on your hand to your best friend, your sister, your mom, his sister, like Whoever he is going to ask for advice, make sure. Um, if you're comfortable, like telling him, tell him. I feel like most engagements are not a surprise these days. Ideally, you come in together. Did you pick out your engagement ring? I did not. I found a ring on Instagram years ago that I loved. And I just was like, wow, like this is so beautiful. And I sent it to him 
when you're just dating, no talk of engagement, just like, because again, we had such a foundation of like friends, like it wasn't weird. It wasn't like, hey, propose to me tomorrow. It was like, isn't this gorgeous? And he saved that picture. And then we went to a random jewelry store in King of Prussia. Something about like the width of the band. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I want a small band because I want like the diamond to be like the star of the show. And he's like, how small is small? And then I was like, okay, clearly he's like, working towards something yeah Yeah. so i don't know if i designed it necessarily but there were definitely inspiration pictures and moments (laughs) i feel like that is perfect it's like you gave him enough to work on but he still could do a little bit of surprise but i mean half of the couples who buy engagement rings from us come in together like do the whole thing together and then at the end yeah the partner proposing just like picks it up and does the proposing it kind of makes sense to me like it's such a big life decision that like you don't want a proposal to be like oh my god I cannot believe he proposed like you know you I feel like you should have been talking about it but I don't know I think there's pros and cons of surprises or not surprises yeah but the one thing I will say make sure they know your finger size because we can size up and down, but like there's only so much you can go up and down without kind of compromising the integrity of the ring. So being like within a half size of your right finger size is ideal because most people are like three finger sizes throughout their life. Um, That's cool. So I feel like, yeah. From um, small to big to small again? No. <laughs> Which way? From small to medium to large. Yeah. It only goes one way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Flip side, let's say a guy does go to your store without his partner and he doesn't really know where to start. What's like the typical process? Like, are you first picking the shape of the ring, the cut of the ring or the stone, I should say, or is it the band? So it depends. I mean, most people start with the diamond itself. So it typically takes at least two appointments. So the first appointment, we will bring in as many stones as you need, as many shapes, but normally people are like, I'm kind of between like a round and an oval or like maybe a round an oval and like maybe a cushion, but I'm not sure. So depending, we'll bring in like five to eight stones for you to look at. Um, lab grown diamonds are really popular right now. Um, yeah, sort of like within that. the past. Yeah. Um, so that's another big decision that the client has to make, but we'll narrow it down. They don't always pick the stone that day, but we'll sort of like start talking about the setting in that first appointment too. Um, And we have a bunch of samples that people can see, but normally people come in with like a pretty good idea of either like, she wants something that's like really cool and like antique inspired and like a lot of details or like, she really just wants a solitaire with like a big old diamond. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, me too. (laughs) I just think they're so beautiful and classy and timeless. Okay. Lab grown. I think this is so interesting. Pros and cons. Tell me what you think. Yeah. It is like such a hot debate in the jewelry world because traditional jewelers hate lab growns, like a mom and pop jeweler. Like they think that they are fake and a scam, but like they're different from any other thing, like a moissanite or a cubic zirconia that came up on the market in the past, because it is a diamond. Like chemically it's five carbon molecules. It's just as hard as a diamond. Like you show it to me or any other gemologist, like we have to send it away to GIA to tell us this is a lab grown or this is a natural. So from the looks of it, it's really hard to tell a customer like, this two carat lab grown is 3000 or this two carat natural is like 
30,000. So I definitely understand why so many people are picking lab-grown diamonds. The cons are like the feeling of it, of like, is it a real diamond? Real diamond, you know, it wasn't mined from the ground. It's not millions of years old. It was probably like grown in California or Russia or China. They also don't really have any resale value, but it's like, if it's only three grand, like, so what, you know? So it's definitely, it's a tough decision. My diamond is natural. I will say like most of my team wants a natural diamond, but like we're jewelry people. So I think like part of what drew us to it was like the amazing allure of gemstones and like the natural beauty of them. And that like they came from the earth and they're just sort of like happy accidents that come from the ground. So it's a heated debate that continues. It's a personal choice is what it sounds like. It's a personal choice. Yeah. Mm. What did you go with? If you don't mind me asking. I didn't even know lab grown was you a can thing cut it back out. then. Oh no. When did you get engaged? I got engaged in 2019. And at that time I did not think yeah. that lab grown was like relevant, I guess. I don't know. I didn't even, it, that wasn't a term that was like discussed. It was just yeah. like a diamond. It really like, wasn't. A diamond. Yeah. I, th- I want to say it might've been like right around then when I started selling them and they were maybe like 20% less expensive than natural diamonds. So, um, you know, we had a few clients who were scientists who just thought it was like really cool that they were grown. Again, this is like hotly debated, the ethical considerations of like growing something in a lab, but then it's like, okay, well, they had to like build this like 6 million square foot building. There's a ton of electricity. It's like six weeks of heat and pressure. So it's complicated. But yeah, it wasn't really a thing back back when you got engaged. I think that's the real deal. Yeah, I did. I think that if I had the choice for an engagement ring, I still would choose natural. But I have said for another piece of jewelry, I have no problem going the lab grown route because this to me is like, what's that word? Not special. It's sentimental. Sentimental. It's like this to me meant meant and means a lot. Whereas maybe a tennis bracelet. Diamond studs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just something yeah. else where it's like, oh, it's real beautiful. It doesn't have the same weight. Yeah. I have always been a jewelry person. And when I was little, I would always have to have a watch on. And my parents thought that was like really cute. And I think that came from my grandparents. My grandpa loved watches and my grandmom loved all jewelry. Now, fast forward, I feel naked when I leave the house without my watch. But as I've gotten older, I've actually I actually feel like I can't leave the house now without my studs in and my watch mm-hmm. on and now my necklace from Priori yeah. jewelry and like yeah. all of my like staples. I'm curious, yeah. what's your staple? Like you cannot walk out of the house without what on? Definitely my engagement ring. I am very naughty. I wear it to the gym even, which like we tell oh, people wow. not to do. Yeah. But I just like, I am terrified of losing it. I'm like a total scatterbrain. So I, I just feel like I have to have it on my person at all times. I do take it off before I go to sleep though, which everyone should do. I always need to be wearing earrings. I am a hoop person. Like I love, I'm from Jersey. Although I do <laughs> love my studs too. But I mean, those are like the two things that I like, again, like I really don't go to the gym even without that on. Do you think that people should take their ring off to wash dishes or shower or sleep. You did say sleep. 100%. Yeah. So I get home from work. Literally, I go upstairs. I put on my sweatpants. I take all my jewelry off, like all of it before I do anything. It's just like every little thing you do 
you're wearing away at your prongs, even if you don't like necessarily like lift one right away, it's just like more wear and tear on your rings. Um, and you know, people do it. Like we have people who are like, I make meatballs in my rings and we're like, yeah, I can tell it's gross in there. <laughs> yeah. There can be some pretty gross stuff in there, but you know, I think that's, you just have to be prepared for like, you're going to lose some diamonds if you want to wear your ring that hard all the time. Do you recommend cleaning it at home or you think it's better to take it back into the store? Definitely bring it in every six to 12 months, like similar to a car. They need some maintenance or even just to be like looked at and your jeweler can say like, your prongs look fine. Great job, Molly. Whatever you're doing, keep doing that. Um, or, you know, if they need to tighten something, they can do that for you too. Cleaning at home is great. Don't use toothpaste. I know a lot of people say to do that, but like the softest toothbrush that you can find and like very gentle cleaner, like, like a Dawn soap um, or even like we sell some jewelry cleaner that's very gentle. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cleaning at home. It's a good thing. Okay, good. I do a combo of both because I would love to yeah. go and get it cleaned often, but it's like such a schlep, especially now with a baby. Yes. Yeah, totally. They make great like ultrasonic cleaners too. Um, like they have them on oh. Amazon. They're like 80 bucks. I mean, it's like another thing That's to cool. have in your house, but yeah. Fair. What's a product of your own line that you're obsessed with? That's not an engagement ring. We have some amazing big gemstone rings that we made last fall. There's like a big emerald cut um, pink tourmaline and we set it in peach gold, which is like a mix of rose and yellow gold. And I just like die over it. I always try it on. Like every time it gets transferred back um, from one of the other stores, I'm like, oh, I forgot how much I love this ring. It's just like my favorite. I love gemstones. So I feel like I would love that ring. What's your son's gem um, birthstone? My son's, I don't know. He was born in June. Okay. So it's either pearl or alexandrite. I yeah. don't know what alexandrite looks like. What color it's is that? Like a it like goes between purple and green. Um, it's very rare. Yeah. Most people get like a synthetic version of it. Mm. Um, what's your birthstone? Do you know? Sapphire. When's your birthday? September 4th. Okay. I'm the 21st. There it goes. So my due date's actually August 31st, but I'm telling people it's September. I'm sure that you like went through this. Yes. I did like, the same thing. Yes. I'm like, I didn't do it with my daughter, but I'm like, August 1st, I know the texts are going to be like, it's baby month. And I'm going to be like, nope, it's September. Sorry. Yes, that was very smart of you. Very strategic. <laughs> yeah. Someone wanted to know what your daily routine is as a jewelry creator. Do you refer to yourself, first of all, as a jewelry creator? And what does your routine look like? That's an amazing question um, because I do not really. I feel like there is not a misperception, but I think that people like want me to be like an artist or like see me as an artist. And I think that a lot of jewelry business owners are, and they are amazingly creative people, but I have always seen myself as more of a business owner. Um, not that you can't be both, but like I have an amazing creative team. Um, but I feel like running the business is really like my main thing. Um, so usually I wake up with my daughter, um, around seven now, like expecting again, I don't like make myself wake up and, and like work out or anything. I'm just like, please just let me sleep in as late as I can. Um, so it's usually around seven. I get her feed her. Um, our nanny comes at eight. Um, so I try to get to work before nine. 
um, a look at the sales from the past week, um, prep for whatever meetings I have. I have a ton of one-on-one -on -one meetings, like 10 or 15 a week, um, Holy crap. which is a lot. With clients I know, I'm, or your team? No, 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 with my team. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. So yes. Yeah. So that's something that I'm like actively trying to kind of like scale back on, but I'm sort of having to become like less of like a people manager and more of like a manager of managers, which is sort of like a whole other bear, which is like exciting. It's like a very exciting transition. Um, so prep for those meetings, do those meetings. And then I try and leave like at least 90 minutes a day of just sort of like thinking time of like, okay, like I have this big problem at work, whether it's like interpersonal or like sales or marketing related. And like, I just need to like work on this problem, look at the numbers and figure it out. That's amazing. That's yeah. before five o'clock or this is like after nine to five hours. So that's usually until five. Yeah. Then I leave around five, come home, hang out with my kid um, and my husband. <laughs> Sometimes I'll watch like an hour of TV. I don't know, um, depending. And then um, I usually would do like 90 minutes of work before I go to bed. Mm, okay. Yeah. Somewhat balanced. Do you feel like it's balanced? Do you feel like you have good boundaries in place? Yeah. Yes. I think it's totally balanced. I think my daughter has like forced that on me. Like, I don't know if you feel that way. Like we always joke, like she has like set our sleep, like totally right. Like we were yes. never good sleepers. And yeah, now we're like, it's 945. We have got to get to bed. Like yes. we're waking up at like whatever time. Um, so yeah, I think if anything right now in my life, like I, I feel like I'm trying to think about balance, like over my lifetime <laughs> more where like, in my late twenties and like early thirties, I was like very focused on work. And now I'm 35 and like growing kids, having kids, like having little kids, focusing a little bit more on that. And I don't know like what my like late thirties and forties are gonna be, but um, I definitely don't feel like I've given enough to, or as much as I could to work like in the past year, but you know, but I have kids, so. Yeah. It's a lot to manage yeah. and I'm sure you're yeah. not slowing down at all. Like, I feel like since you said you're a big picture person, I'm sure you see Priori Jewelry going big and like long-term. Yeah. I have some big plans. There are, there's like this weird thing in the jewelry business right now where there's all these really profitable small stores that the owner's are ready to step away and retire, but they don't have any kids in the business. Like their kids just want to do other things like retails a grind. I get it. Um, and maybe like the managers that they have don't like, you know, want to take out a million dollar loan or whatever to buy the store. So anyway, these stores are closing, but they're making money. So, um, something I've been working on is trying to buy some of those stores. Genius. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've kind of just started doing that in the last few months. Um, and I'm talking to like, uh, talked to one store, didn't work out. I'm sort of like in negotiations with a second store, which, you know, may work out, may not, but that's kind of like where I see things going for me in the next few years. That's incredible. How can people find you and find your brand? And yeah. I ask everyone that's who comes on the show, what is one product that you really like? It does not have to be in the jewelry world. It can be anything at all that you would recommend to your best friend. 
a product I really like. Okay, this took me so long to get on board with, but a cast iron pan. I know that sounds crazy, but I like I'm like a crazy non-toxic mommy. Yep. <laughs> and I feel you are too. Not to call us both crazy, but I like, I don't know why I resisted cast iron thing for so long. I was like, everything's gonna stick to it. My husband was like, you can't put in the dishwasher. I'm obsessed with my cast iron pan. It was like 20 bucks. It's like the most amazing thing ever. Um, you can find me on Instagram, lauren.priori or uh, El Priori Jewelry. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was Thank awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much.